What's going on, guys? Kieran Headley here from the Pocket Coach Podcast. So I have a very special guest that I actually met completely randomly in my journey in Arrowtown on the way to a friend's wedding, actually. And this lovely lady picked me and my girlfriend at the time up. Uh, <laughs> we were rocking our suitcases down a gravelly road. And this lovely lady just swings by and asks if we wanted a lift because there was some terrible road up ahead that was going to make our little journey with the suitcases a little bit difficult. And um, yeah, that's how I met this fantastic woman who I'm about to introduce. And we got talking briefly and found out what she did. And I just got very excited and instantly I was thinking, I'm going <laughs> to see if she wants to be on my podcast. And here we are. So this incredible woman. She has a doctorate in clinical hypnotherapy. She's certified and board and a board approved trainer in neurolinguistic programming, timeline therapy, and hypnosis. She's also got a diploma in life coaching, has an expansive life coaching business with over 30 years in human development and coaching. She's also worked with All Black Sevens, which is pretty cool, Cookie Time, which I fell in love with in Queenstown, uh, and Clinique as well as being an author of the book this is it she's also the developer of sset which is self-sabotage elimination technique on top of this she's also a wife and mother so without further ado i'd love to introduce dr amanda furalan welcome Thank you so much. That's a, that was a beautiful introduction. It was it was lovely just to swing by on that beautiful sunny day and um, take you to where you were staying, and then, you know, the universe kind of threw us together, which I always love. Yeah, yeah, it did, it did, and I always love yeah how little spontaneous meetings can happen just just like that, and in the middle of nowhere as well um, yeah. for me really because it's just a completely uh, different. Uh, and more isolated situation than Auckland, right? I'm used to this big city vibe. So me traveling down to Arrowtown and then just meeting this fantastic woman yourself. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty special for me. So yeah, thank you for being on. Oh, you're welcome. My um, pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah. So I'd love to ask very quickly because this is something that people do hear about, but I feel like many don't actually understand really what this is specifically, which is, NLP, neurolinguistic programming. How would you describe that, and why is this a beneficial practice for those that are wanting to grow or thrive? Yeah, it's a it's a, a really good question. I I first of all would like to say that neurolinguistic programming is not a marketeer's dream. Um, it's a very lengthy, uh, quite difficult to say um, sentence in itself. Uh, the yeah. way I'd like to describe it is. Um, is really simply, it's a little like looking at your phone and saying, hey, look, I've got an app here that's really like, it's not doing what it should do. So I'm just going to delete the app. And then I'm going to install an app that's going to do what it, I need it to do. And it's a little a little like that. So effectively, um, the phrase I like to use is neural coding. Uh, oh, so right. what that means is we're kind of going into the neurology and deleting coding that doesn't work for us and then installing co coding that does. So it's fast and it and it really does last um, to the point where, you know, I can have emails from clients that I worked with 14 years ago um, and they'll flick an email through saying, hey, look, you know, it's a long time since I've worked with you. And I have to say that belief change that we did. Oh, my God, like it's transformed my life. So it's exciting that it can be... Um, actualize really quickly and with really long-term results um so mm -hmm. that that's i think where, where it's it's kind of important if if a client really wants to create change quickly um then uh, neural coding is definitely the the way to go in, in in my opinion yeah yeah no that makes a lot of sense and you said belief change in there so yeah. i love that phrase i love that term so how would you describe a belief and 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 what uh, and do you mind providing an example of a belief change as well? Sure, sure, um, I, I can, exactly. Uh, beliefs are things that are installed before we're the age of seven. So before we're the age of seven, there is no conscious mind that has been formed. So everything has been downloaded a little like, um, you know, you just, just onto a, a recording machine, a recording device. Um, and that allows us to learn. You know, this is kids are absolute eloquent learners. They, they learn far better and more effectively than adults do. Um, as a result of that, though, 
there's no gatekeeper at the door kind of saying, no, I don't agree with that and pushing things away. Therefore, everything's accepted as a truth. Um, so limiting beliefs are installed um, unknowingly. It could be a teacher just saying, oh, stop being so stupid. You know, stop behaving yeah. so silly. You know, you're so silly. And the unconscious mind or the subconscious mind, as some people might know it as uh, being, um, kind of goes, oh, OK, um, so I'm I'm stupid. And therefore, I'm going to go out and find evidence to support that. And, and as a result, the child will only really remember uh, times that it got a question wrong <clears throat> and delete mm. the times that it got the question right. So, excuse me. <clears throat> so uh, limiting beliefs or anything from, um, I've worked with clients that have come to me and said, you know, I'm not a good negotiator or I'm not a, um, a healthy uh, exercising person, which is, you get a sense is much more at the top of the well. Um, but I prefer to dig a lot deeper and look at what is the core limiting belief that's operating. Um, so things like I'm not worthy, um, I'm not good enough, I'm not lovable, I'm a mistake, um, I'm a fraud, I'm evil, um, are some of the beliefs that um, I've recently um, deleted and then installed new empowering beliefs that, are, that generally are the polar opposite, but we get into a design stage with the client where, you know, for example, I'm not good enough, the polar opposite is I am good enough, but that's, is that yeah. really enough? If we're going to install an empowering belief, let's make it really empowering. So, you know, it could be something like, you know, I can I can achieve anything I put my mind to. All I need is inside of me right now. Things things that are mm. a little bit more um, empowering. So um, my, my main focus when I'm working with somebody around um, a belief change is to get right to the bottom of the well. And of course, it's, it's out of conscious awareness. So the client can't really, she doesn't, or he doesn't sit there and say, I, I, my limiting belief is I'm a mistake. Um, yeah. it, ta it takes um, a little bit of questioning and some processes to put in place to uncover what's actually operating. But once we uncover it, the client really feels it. And it's not very pleasant mm. for the client in that moment, um, but it feels like a truth to them because it, to them it yeah. is true. And it feels familiar and it feels, um, they, feel, they almost feel the real weight of it for the very first time. Whereas all, the, all they've really been seeing is the behavior that that limiting belief has driven, which they've yeah. not really enjoyed the behavior, but they've not really connected with the limiting belief. And then, yeah. you know, and how do you how do you actually showcase that link? Because I've definitely as well come across many. I'm not worthy. Um, I'm a mistake. Uh, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy of love. All these different limiting beliefs might show themselves. However, helping someone to uh, understand that that might be the core limiting belief that's at hand. Uh, how do you sort of showcase that when someone might be thinking, um something more surface level i suppose as yeah natural limiting um belief. well i think i think a really good example and um this this uh client actually appears in my book um i've got a whole book a whole chapter in the book on limiting beliefs um and i'm able to use this client's name now because i've just co-written with him for his new book a chapter all about limiting beliefs so this Amazing. this client's called kyan krippendorf um he's mm. an international author and an international motivational speaker and he's the founder of the outthinker um company and his recent book is called innovate from within in which this chapter appears and what what happened with kayam was he came to me um I, I coached him for several years around belief changes and he came to me first of all and he said hey look amanda look i'm not a good negotiator you know can we work on a belief change uh, and work with that so we did and you know instantly it's very tangible it, it does what it says on the can and he's going out and he's you know he's he's eloquently negotiating and then he came back to me and he said you know I want to do some work around my I've got a limiting belief about how much I can earn um, you know I'm, wow. I'm on this platform um, my my colleagues are earning x and I'm only earning y and I know I've, I've limited that so you know we did a belief change around that and then I just said to him, you know, Kayan, why don't we just dig a bit deeper and find out what's really going on? Because if we get right to the very core, then then and we change that that's operating at your very core, then all these little limiting beliefs will be blown out. Yeah. Um, so I put into place an exercise which I developed and I call it the Sherlock Holmes exercise, which we oh, have. That's yeah, juicy. It's, pretty, it's very cool, um, which I developed um literally by working with belief change with clients for the last 16 years um mm. 
it's a way of allowing the client to observe self without having um, get in the way of themselves. So in many respects, what I have the client do is become their own Sherlock Holmes and be quite playful with it. So it's a little bit like, you know, a, a pantomime, like, oh, look, there it is. There's that limiting belief again. Um, so we, we use something called perceptual positions where we move the client from self. So for example, if I was, if I was the client, rather than say, oh, I've just had a negative thought, what is it I believe about myself that caused me to have the thought I have the client say, ah, there's the negative thought. Right. What is it that Amanda believes about herself that caused her to think that? So it removes mm. it removes the client away from the self that had the negative thought. And it allows mm. us to become an observer of the self that had the thought. And what that Love does that. is give the client really cool information. And they do that for 48 hours. Um, they then send their bullet um, list, their bullet proof um bulletproof bullet um, <laughs> bulleted list to me however that works for the client it might just be bullet points it might be a voice recording whatever works for them best they, they don't analyze it they don't smarten it up it doesn't need to be grammatically correct it might just be a grunt it might be a um you know it might be swearing at themselves whatever it is um they send that to me and then i put that into my unconscious mind and um and, and then when when we next meet on zoom then i have some really cool questions that i ask them and, and that kind of outs it then and we know yeah. when we've got to the right one because the client feels it they, they feel yeah. it it's the, there is emotion most definitely mm. yeah that's beautiful yes yeah it's power it's really powerful i think in, in all the things that i do with neuro-linguistic programming timeline therapy and hypnotherapy my passion definitely is around beliefs and as a yeah. school um of 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 neurolinguistic programming as, as a you know your life living as a school, we spend a lot of time with our students teaching them about limiting beliefs and how to delete them and how to install new ones. Um, so yeah. all all our coaches leave with um, an eloquent understanding of how to work with other people to do this because if you can change somebody's belief that they've been running. Like recently, I just changed a limiting belief in a, in a, uh, a lady that's 56 years of age. She's been mm. running it as long as she can remember that I'm a mistake um, and and turned that into something so empowering, like I'm uniquely important. I mean, the, the magnitude of that change is significant. So, wow. so for me, it's a really powerful it's a powerful tool. It actually is the longest process in NLP. It takes the longest time to do. It takes about half an hour. Yeah. Um, and yet the results for the client are tangible to the point where once the process is finished, I say to the client, so what was that old belief? And they, in, <laughs> nine times out of ten, they can't remember what it was. It's like it's wow. totally, it's like, uh, oh, what was, what was it now? It was something like total disconnect, like total, yeah. it's, 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 it's mind-blowing, yeah. Yeah, that, that's really powerful. And uh, from some of this, um, some of the research that I've done around um, neuroscience, uh, neuroplasticity, interestingly enough, becomes a lot more, a lot less. Well, the brain becomes a lot less plastic um, around early thirties. Yet, um, it's beautiful to see how a lot of science has come through showcasing that uh, the brain is still plastic. Yeah. Uh, it just takes a little bit more effort. And the fact that you can actually utilize something like NLP in a half an hour process and shift an entire belief, that I, I don't feel like that's a very long time at all. I think that's so short uh, mm. and so profound. So w what is maybe an example of how NLP might operate? Or are there any tangible things that people might be able to actually take away and utilize for themselves to uh, start on that journey? Yeah, sure. There's, there's um, a, a technique that I developed, which is, uh, again, it's just neural coding. All we're doing is actively choosing to um, to delete that coding. So, right. um, and this this came about because I I developed it for myself. I, I had um, uh, six years ago. I was diagnosed with um, my left kidney had cancer in it, and I just oh, wow. I just cycle. I just been in the UK and cycled from Landsend to John O'Groats, and uh, just for good measure, we flew in the National Three Peaks as well. So it's like a massive challenge. <laughs> wow. I know there was me and two guys, and the three of us um, went and did this event. And you know, you can imagine like I was as fit as I possibly, but you know, I was just so fit. And I got on the flight to fly back to New Zealand, and 
it was just a routine health check and my blood pressure came up as being quite high. And so the doctor uh, wanted to medicate me and I said, look, I'm, I'm not taking medication. Thank you very much. You know, mm. I would rather ma manage it myself. But she was really vigilant. And, 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 to, mm. and I actually see this doctor as a friend now, which is lovely, um, because she said, look, let's get your kidneys checked. And, and this is when this um, cancer showed up in the left kidney, which needed to be taken out pretty immediately. And so I um, I, I went and, and did that in Christchurch. But the reason that this this next technique I'm going to introduce you to is it's called the delete button. The reason it um, came about was because when that diagnosis happened, a lot of people uh, came to support and came to help in various different ways. And some of it wasn't so positive. People sending me books or links about people that had had um, the kidney cancer, which was even labeled as the silent killer. So that in itself is wow. not not useful. You know, you've you, yeah. you've been diagnosed with this and, and it's been labelled as this term, the silent killer. Um, so mm. I was really mindful that I was being bombarded by things that were just not going to serve me. And rather than engage in a discussion with somebody who was really coming from a place of good intention and really wanting to help, really, you know, I didn't want to give it energy um, uh, to explain my rationale as to why that was not helpful for me to know that that is what it was called, for example, I developed something called the delete button. So um, what I do is, uh, what I would encourage your listeners to do is imagine a big red delete button. And you can have written on whatever you want on there. So when I'm presenting this in a keynote, you know, I have a slide of like a delete button and then I have one that says, um, shut up. And then I have another button that says bullshit, you know, whatever, whatever um, floats your boat. But you, um, for me, it's a big, big red button with white delete across it. And um, right. what happens is when the person um, that I'm interacting with is sharing with with me the information that's not, not useful for me, I actively choose to delete that from entering into my neurology. Um, wow. Because in many respects, it, it can become a mind virus. And of course, the purpose of a virus is to take over the system. So they're not genes, then they're, they're actually called nemes, as in mind nemes. So this new this this piece of information is installed into your neurology and it starts to replicate and duplicate um, because it's a virus. So what I what I'm actively doing is deleting it consciously. So Inside my inside my imagination, I imagine this big red button and it kind of goes, I'm going to shout a little bit, but it kind of goes, delete, delete, delete. Uh. And it's exactly the pitch that I use. And it's like it flashes three times. And that's me internally going, we're not accepting this. And right. then, then what I can do is I can kind of go smile, smile at the person. Yeah. And then I change the subject. So, you know, COVID yeah. was the new weather and now Trump leaving the White House is the new COVID. So just whatever you've got up your sleeve, <laughs> it's like, you know, what do you think of Donald Trump? You know, whatever it is, that's, that's mm. the most current thing. I throw that into the mix and it, it totally distracts the person. They go off on a different tangent. So, <laughs> you know, and, and an example I can give you where it's, it really came into fruition was um, in the hospital in Christchurch and an acquaintance came to visit me. This this is not somebody I know particularly well. I think I played golf with her a couple of times at Millbrook. Um, and she happened to be in Christchurch. And, you know, kind lady. She brought a beautiful bottle of Pinot Noir and some fudge. And she came to visit with me. And she told me that she'd seen this documentary. And in the documentary, it was about this woman that had given um, her kidney to somebody that needed it. And I'm like, oh, you know, how lovely wow. to be able to donate a kidney. And then she proceeded to tell me that, unfortunately, her body went into a deep decline because when the body loses an organ, um, you know, it takes about three months for the body to sink into a depression because it, it, it doesn't know how to cope with losing the organ. And I'm hitting the delete Whoa. button like you couldn't believe, like delete, delete, delete. But equally, I didn't need to engage with her to disagree or yeah. to explain my rationale. I didn't want to give it energy. I just deleted it internally and then asked her something that took her off on a different tangent, like how was your golf? And that, you wow. know, that distracted her. So it, it's, in, in many respects, what you're what you're doing is you're recoding your neurology by even by just hitting that delete button three times. It's important you do it inside your head, otherwise it would be a bit weird. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Hey, how's your day going? Delete! Mm. <laughs> and, and also, I, um, what's quite fun is that some couples have told me that um, they made the mistake of telling their wife or husband that they used the delete button. It's like, mm, probably don't share it with the person yeah. that you're deleting. But it's just, it, it's in many respects, what it's doing is it's allowing us to bring into consciousness that that operates unconsciously. And so many times we, um, perhaps a bit having mind viruses that are not serving us, um, and, and equally, there are mind viruses that totally serve us. And, you know, those mm. are the people that you want to be around and the people that just drop these little beautiful mind viruses into your neurology. Of course, you want that to take over the system. So you're not mm. going to hit your delete button on that. You're going to, you know, it's just going to be, um, it's copy and paste, copy and paste, copy and paste. That's what you yeah. want there. Yeah. Love it. And I'm assuming the delete button as well isn't just when something externally is occurring, it brings a thought up. I'm sure that if it just comes up internally, right? Yeah, uh, in general, okay. absolutely. Yeah, just it's yeah. it's just that catching yourself, you know. Um, yeah. It's a little like uh, I, when I first started working in the field of NLP, I uh, worked with an eleven-year-old boy that was still wet in the bed, and this mm. was in Portugal, and um, he he had become a problem for him because he was going to summer camp and he didn't want to be in front of all his friends with with his pull-ups. So, you know, he, he had some skin in the game and he wanted to come and change it. And it was it's literally just one session. That's all it is. And yeah. um, what effectively, there's, there's lots happening in the session, but one of the key components is to ask the child um, for a week that the, they need to do this every night for a week. And you say to them, you know, bedtime routine, what is it? And you talk through the bedtime routine with the child. And then the parent's in on it. So the, the parent knows exactly what you're going to do. You've had a phone call before. Um, you have engaged in, in the actual session. And then I say to the child, okay, so that's that's wonderful. That's your bedtime routine. And I want you to do one thing that's different. When you snuggle down to go to sleep, I want you to wee the bed. And the, the child looks at you like you're completely nuts. <laughs> and they go, what, like on purpose? Yeah. Yeah, on purpose, just wee the bed and then it's nice and warm. You, you know, your you wee's nice and warm. So you'll just be able to lay there and snuggle down and go to sleep. Well, the child's horrified. And of course, the child doesn't do that, right? Okay. What the child does is it, it, it starts to use different strategies, like I'm going to go to the bathroom first. But essentially, it's that shock of bringing into consciousness that that oper operates unconsciously. And the neurology goes, that's unacceptable. We're not doing that on purpose. And it stops. Wow. It stops. So um, the only problem with that is then you become known as the bedwetting uh, lady. And I had a little yeah. line of like, you know, anything between seven to uh, 11 year old little boys coming to see me that were still wet in the bed. So, but uh, yeah, it's it, it's effective because it's quick and it just lasts. It just, yeah. it just sorts out the neurology, which is great. Wow. Mm. Wow. That's so fantastic. Very cool. Yeah. You, I'm, you haven't had anyone that's, um, that you've told, Wet the bed and then they've actually gone and done it. <laughs> yeah, I had one little boy that did it. Um, he was here in New Zealand, actually. He did wet the bed the first night. And because uh, um, the brief is to the parents, look, he'll come up with different strategies. And yeah. that's fine because you you take the fall. You say, oh, look, well, I'll email Amanda and let her know that this is what you've decided to do. And that's totally fine. That's totally fine if that's what you want to do. But this little boy did wet the, wet the bed. But, it, you know, it's no different to how he wets the bed normally. The only yeah. difference is that mum's got a big clean-up to do. Um, so the next morning he said, I don't want to do that again, mummy, tonight. Um, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I really don't want to do that. And so she's like, okay, darling, then we'll, well, why don't we do something different? But you, they're not allowed okay. to wear the pull-ups. And it just switches off. It literally is just like, we don't need this anymore. There are some other things. There's, you know, some beautiful, um, empowering things in that session and also some um, linguistic um, encoding, if you like, that happens that's out of conscious awareness of the child. But it just yeah. does what it says on the can, which is, you know, which is really beautiful to work with. That's fantastic. And so we've talked about deleting certain thought processes. So is there also a process where we insert a certain dialogue as well? Or is that a natural flow that occurs once the old belief has been deleted? Well, when, we're when we um, delete a belief, we always install a new empowering one. Um, and therefore, in many respects, if you imagine it's it's the client's filters, the, the way in which the client shows up in the world changes because the evidence that the unconscious mind is now looking for is different. So if we take the client that, that 
um, had the belief around, you know, I'm a mistake, that um, this is a client that I worked with in, in the Algarve in Portugal. You get a sense that that client is, is living the, her reality is that she's a mistake. So I can't speak up because, you know, what I've got to say is not meaningful. Um, I better not do this because I'm going to get it wrong. Everything in her life m means that she's a mistake. And then we change that into, um, you know, I'm uniquely important. Therefore, the unconscious goes out to find evidence to support that. So it's yeah. not it's not that we're consciously installing linguistic patterns that are more empowering. It's just that just happens. That just comes with with the belief change. Because the, mm. the evidence that's being picked up is different. So what I do when I do a belief change with a client is I ask a client to um, observe themselves for 48 hours and notice what they notice. Um, it's not that they have to drive to the top of the highest mountain um, and, you know, stand at the top and go, I am uniquely important. <laughs> you know, it's just things that, that will happen unconsciously, automatically, but they kind of catch catch themselves doing it. And an mm. example I can give you, I was working with um, a client here in Queenstown and I remember this client really well because he was very, very handsome. And um, he was a landscape gardener and he was just so typically um, your your Kiwi um, kind of, you know, young, young person, just something's not quite working, huge aspirations. And he was he was transient. So he was a Kiwi that had been traveling a lot. He'd come back for a little while and he's gone off traveling again. Um, and he just picked up that something was wrong. And so he came to see me and we his limiting belief was, I think it was really simple, like I'm not good enough to, I can do anything I put my mind to. And what he what we'd identified and what I've realized is that anyone that's operating from an I'm not good enough is a people pleaser. So if you find that you naturally are a people pleaser and you're pleasing people all the time, it's probably good feedback to yourself that there's a limiting belief they're operating and it's generally I'm not good enough. Not all the time, mm. but generally. So we did the belief change and I asked the client to just notice what he notices in the next 48 hours. And he had a sort of a part-time job. Well, it was a full-time job, but he was transient. So in and out, but he was working as this, this um, gardener and he left the practice and he, I reckon he'd only driven down the road, maybe two or three minutes. And his boss called him and he said, Hey, look, you know, I'd really like to come in and work over the weekend. And he just found himself saying, I'm really sorry, mate. You know, I've got plans over the weekend um, happy to come in early Monday morning if that helps. And his boss said, oh, okay, cool, no worries. And he put the phone down and then he was like, oh my God, I've wow. just said no. Like, I never do that. So he had yeah. to text me immediately and say, oh my God, you'll never guess what I've done. So it uh -huh. happens automatically and then you kind of catch yourself. Yeah, yeah, I see. Yeah. I see. And that's almost like reaffirming that this is a new belief every time I'm catching myself stepping into that new process, reaffirming. Yeah, it's, it's not even stepping step into it. It's just, oh my God, like it's happening. Like, yeah. you know, there, there was a client I was working with that was, um, she was only 14 uh, years of age in, in Glasgow. And um, again, coming from a place of I'm not good enough into, you know, I can achieve anything I put my mind to. And uh, she went to buy some shoes with her mum at this department store called Fraser's of Glasgow. And these particular shoes were quite high. And so she said to her mum, this is after the belief change, she said to her mum, I'm going to take a little walk around the department, mum, because we're on carpet now and I want to see how these high heels feel when I walk on the actual walkways. You know how department stores have got like plastic walkways and then carpeted yeah. areas, right? So off she goes, she sets off walking. And um, and then she kind of checks herself out in the mirror. She's walking past the mirror and then they go and, and agree these shoes are lovely and they buy them. And then um, they're going down the escalator and her mum turned to her and said, you would never have done that before. But you see, now yeah. the client wasn't even aware because now it's been integrated. Mm. So that is her. So this is why you've only got a 48 hour window, really, because once that 48 hours is up, it's integrated. It's, the way I explain yeah. it to my clients is it's a little like you've bought yourself a new top. And, you know, you, you, you walk past a window and you catch your reflection like, oh, cool top. I'm really pleased I bought this. Um, but once you've worn it a couple of times, it's just a top. It's, you know, it doesn't need that. Oh, no, you don't notice it. So it's become mm. integrated and it just becomes them. The, the difference is now that the outcomes are different because the behavior is different, because the beliefs are different. And the, wow. bel the beliefs will always drive what, however we show up in the world. That's so profound. Yeah. And are, are you still for yourself, uh, do, are you still finding yourself integrating certain uh, practices or techniques here 
um, in your life currently. I know that you mentioned that you still utilize the delete button here and there. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. We have, um, we've got 20 coaches that work with Your Life Live It and we have an accountability program. So what that means is our coaches buddy up with another fellow coach and um, including myself. Um, What we do is we clean our neurology up every six months. So we, um, we basically get rid of all our negative emotions, anger, sadness, fear, hurt, guilt and shame. Uh, We also look for any lurking limiting beliefs that could have um, been installed um, or emerged um, that have gone perhaps undetected. So we are constantly doing work on ourselves. You know, we're, we're human and curveballs hit. And, yes, um, You know, I've, Sarah and I have had a, a lot of curveballs in the last four years, uh, more than than we would ever, <laughs> ever want to wish on anybody. And I, I have to absolutely say that without the toolbox, I honestly don't know where we'd be. Um, the toolbox wow. has served us eloquently um we pull it out every time it's a conscious decision um and we work on one another uh with with nlp there are some tools you can utilize for self-use but in the main part you need somebody else to facilitate because again you you're talking to the unconscious or subconscious part of yourself um, and therefore you can't do that if you're operating as a self-user if you like yes yes that's very that's very beautiful um yeah, it just goes to show how important it is to keep on top of things, right? And keep maintenance there rather than just coming back and addressing it when an issue does arise, but rather catching it before it does. Absolutely. It, it, it is yeah. that thing of, you know, self is ultimate self-care. You know, Sarah's Sarah's taken herself off. She's My, my wife's gone off to Araha um, for six days, which is this beautiful retreat down in Glen Orkey. Um, and she's just gone to play full out and uh, recharge and meditate and do yoga mm. and cacao, beautiful cacao ceremonies and just, you know, just press the reset button. We've got twin baby boys at 18 months old, so we're very busy um, and obviously a, a growing business. So uh, it's really important to have that self-care and as well as looking after what we put inside our bodies and how we exercise our bodies, our neurology is a key, key component um, mm. without a shadow of a doubt, yeah. Beautiful. And you mentioned self-care. So um, aside from the six monthly checkups with the coaches so that you can do a clean out, what are some other practices that you incorporate yourself, Amanda? I, I'm, a, I'm a, um, what I call a meditation runner. Um, mm. So I choose to run without any distractions. Um, and that for me is my my practice of meditation it's mm. obviously there's breath work going on there as i'm running i'm in nature i'm grounded um and so that's one of the things that i love to do the other thing that i've just recently done which is a brand new thing for me as a 53 year old adult is i've i've decided um i think i'm 110 days in and just not to drink alcohol um oh, amazing yeah and i'm just loving it, it you know we, we celebrated wow. sarah's 40th at the blue door in our town great gatsby themed party and you know Very you can cool. imagine martinis and you know all the beautiful things that come from that era and i just went with my alcohol-free champagne and my alcohol-free um red wine and had a beautiful evening wow. I was able to drive friends home so it's a new thing i didn't for even me. know that existed yeah. alcohol-free oh, wine that's so cool it's very cool it's really cool in fact what was quite funny was a lot of my friends were like ah oh, i hear you're not drinking i'm like no no well what have you got in your glass i'm like oh it's alcohol-free champagne may i try some i'm like <laughs> go for it we had the blue door ross at the blue door had to send out for more because we were just going through it like crazy wow um so people are curious and um i'm just loving it and it's not that i had a dysfunctional relationship with alcohol i you know i i do i live in um queenstown i mean the pinot noirs are stunning um it's just that i i I thought i'm 53 i've got twin baby boys um my intention is to live a long and happy and healthy life i want to be running marathons when i'm 70 you know i did the queenstown marathon on saturday um so yeah i just want to you know and anything anything that is going to take me closer to where i want to be i'm all i'm all over it so Mm. yeah that's a big change for me recently and, um, and just checking, does that make 19 marathons that you've run now? Yes, it does. Wow. <laughs> yeah. 
It wow. does, yeah, yeah, and I'm, uh, yeah. It was fun. We, um, I, I ran with my beautiful friend Vicky, and we always wear tutus and fairy wings. It just gives a smile to everybody. And wow. we, we, we went out for a what we call a fun run. So we were chatting to all the volunteers and um, having fun with the kids that were cheering along the sideline. It was just, yeah, it's beautiful just to mm. be involved in something like that. Very, very cool. Yeah, and um, that's the interesting thing about that you mentioned about alcohol as well is um, in, in my past, I did have a little bit of a dysfunctional ex- um, relationship with alcohol and it definitely led to uh, expanding on other limiting beliefs that I had as well as I found myself subconsciously utilizing it as a way to not do the work. Yeah. So when certain things would come up, uh, it was just nice to be able to look forward to the week and like, have that thing to look forward to so I could take my mind off uh, that experience that I was going through or the thing that I was um, trying to avoid, the pain, whatever it was. And then, of course, the drinking itself, being able to completely be distracted from it. And mm-hmm. having that in my life, yeah, it was that form of distraction. But also, uh, it definitely led to me expanding on, like I said, other limiting beliefs through... Uh, certain things that um, I would step into. So, for example, um, I could only be confident if I had a couple of drinks or whatever it was, yeah, rather yeah. than actually being able to step into that so um, that sober confidence. And so, for myself as well, I've definitely found a lot more profound shifts have occurred since I've stepped away from alcohol um, a little while ago. And um, every now and again, I still do allow myself. That occasional drink um, so I was actually going to ask is that something that you're going to allow for yourself in the future or are you going to stick to um, pure alcohol free wine uh, from, your, um, from this time forward I'm not entirely sure what I what I yeah. have done is there's a movement in the UK called one one year no beer um, wow which is quite funny because when That's I shared great. it when I shared it with my mum my mum said oh you can still drink champagne then which I thought was really <laughs> was really funny and I was like no mum it, it kind of means everything um and mm-hmm. so uh, what I've dis- what I've done is committed to a year so I've I've I'd signed up for Impressive. it and I you know I paid I, I, I don't know what it is I think it was about 300 pounds and you get an email every day a little inspirational email and I had a coaching session with one of their coaches um, you know, I kind of went into it 110%. So I will um, be alcohol free for the for the year because I, I like oh. challenges and I like doing big challenges. And then mm. um, I, I'm just going to see how I feel. You know, I do really like one particular brand of champagne. Um, and therefore, you know, I might um, partake in that if, if uh, you know, that we're at celebration or something like that. Uh, but, but I have to say in the main part, I really haven't missed it at all. And um, Sarah and I went to a beautiful place um, just outside of Glenorchy called Blanket Bay, which is, it's just paradise, total relaxation, two nights away. And everything's included, you see. So you have your cocktail hour and you have your wines and it's all included in this beautiful, um, you know, Michelin star chef kind of presented meal. And I just took my my alcohol-free champagne and my alcohol-free red wine and had (laughs) a wonderful time. So, you know, it wasn't... Things that I thought I would really perhaps miss um, partaking, I've, I've really have really been surprised. It's the ritual I think that's important. Mm. It's the it's the being in rapport with the other person and, and enjoying that ritual of you know having a nice glass of champagne poured in a beautiful glass and and it's just the perfect temperature and you can see the bubbles and the condensation (laughs) that's the ritual the actual taste or what it does once it hits the body isn't is not the important piece and i think Mm. i've realized that um it's it's actually more the ritual it's it's the inclusive behavior that i really enjoy um mm. not actually the alcohol so um the jury's out i'm not sure i i will keep you posted i will let yeah, you know that, that's I will very let you interesting know. and i might have to get myself some um because i really miss my red wine so i must ha- might have to get myself some alcohol free red wine sure. i i can send you some um links uh Please. to what i've managed to that's source amazing. here in new zealand and i'm actually really yeah. amazed at the choice you can oh. even get alcohol free whiskey you can get alcohol free gin Whoa. yeah it's crazy um it and I think it's an emerging market. Re- I really yeah. do. I really do. It's mm. it's quite fun. 
Yeah, no, that's good. I'll be able to get away from my pineapple juices at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll send you some you links mean. through. Oh, you, you'll enjoy that'd be great. Them. That'd be great. Yeah, I get what you mean about the ritual side as well. That's That was the same with me with coffee because I moved away from coffee. And every now and again, I'll allow myself a little bit. But um, I found that, it, uh, especially if I had it on an empty stomach, it just led to um, a raised sense of tension, a raised cortisol spike during my day. Uh, so I started coming away from it. Yeah. And I started to really miss that feeling of having my morning coffee, just that uh, it was like um, if I went to the beach in the morning to meditate, um, I just really miss that, having that smell with me or having that um, cup, that nice warm cup that I could just sip away at. And <laughs> just yes. Yes. So, yeah, but I love what you said about the, the ritual aspect and that's there. And that's definitely something I'm going to apply. So I love that. And you've mentioned as well that you, you seem to actually incorporate a lot of physical fitness um, um a lot of physical fitness in your own well-being practices. So you said running. So you've run 19 marathons, which is insane and amazing. Uh, you've also biked to the South Island. Talk yes. to me about that. What was that like and where did it come from? Well, that that was, um, you know, that was just an incredible group of people that are based in Queenstown and they're called the Queenstown Peddlers. And I am significantly younger than most of the peddlers. Wow, um, amazing. So, yeah, so when um, I had arrived back in New Zealand and, and they one of them said to me, hey, look, we're going to cycle this, a group of us going to cycle the South Island, do you want to come and join us? And I was like, yeah, totally, I'd love to. They were secretly delighted that I was coming because I brought the average age down significantly. Um, <laughs> Go you. The, the oldest uh, guy I cycled with was 72, and wow. I could not keep up to him. He was, they are machines. Whoa. They are machines. I was like, That's you guys so are amazing. so fit. Like, and a mixture of males and female. female and um, they, it was just a self-organized trip. So we set off down um, in Bluff and we ended up up in Picton. And it was a, a group of beautiful people just sharing and supporting and helping one another, staying in various accommodations along the way with a support crew. Um, and the, I think the most memorable part of it was we were riding, we'd only got eight kilometers to go to get to Picton and there's a little train of us riding, you know, behind each other. Cause that's just conserves your energy. Um, and this gust of wind came and it blew three of us, including myself, completely off our bicycles. I'd never wow. witnessed anything like it. And one of these guys was a, a bit, I'm talking a big guy, like, you know, 95 kgs, big, wow. big guy. To, totally wiped us off our bikes and it was this immense respect for nature it's like oh my god I would never have ever thought that I would have seen that just yeah. you know D D Brian just in front of me disappearing down this ditch everyone was safe wow. but the whole traffic yeah. stopped the traffic even because they obviously in your car you're not you're not aware of the wind strength it was just this yeah. random gust that came through um but it was it was just fantastic and um I, I also was amazed that I rode all that distance and didn't have one puncture, which is it like, how does that happen? So, wow. yeah, it was it was um, a really lovely way to see New Zealand and up the Lindus Pass. You know, things are never as hard as you think they're going to be. Um, mm. It was a lot easier than I anticipated. And, and that's just because it's it, I think it, we can sometimes we can go into our future and we can see things and we run movies and we just give it far too much weight than it needs to have. Um, so the Linda's Pass was a joy, actually. And we did get a very good day mm. for it as well. Yeah, it was beautiful. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I love that. Um, so I'd love to actually bring this interview to a close in a minute. But I, what I'd really like to do is just ask you a few simple questions. And they're just sort of quick fire questions. So just whatever comes up for you, I'd love you to, to answer. Yeah, sure. Sound good? Beautiful. Sounds great. Beautiful. What's one of the best things for the brain? Learning. Ooh. Learning. Oh, that's good. What lights you up? My wife. My life. That's fantastic. Yeah. What heals you? Nature. Oh. Nature's healing. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favourite aspect of nature? Water. 
Yeah, oh, I, I, I live beside, and now I think of it, I live beside water where I live mm-hmm. in uh, two different hemispheres. Yeah. Amazing. What's an important aspect of growth? Feedback, I think. Um, oh. Feedback is the food of champions, and I think success, it was uh, Richie Lacroix that said success is a poor teacher. Um, yeah, feedback is is the key, and being able to really understand that feedback and and probe for more feedback, and then mm. go back and adjust and modify and correct. There's no such mm. thing as failure; it's just feedback. And and um, if we can, if we can turn on a sixpence and change, change that, then I think that equals superb growth. Love that. How important is it to have a support system opposed to trying to solve everything on your own? It's it, it's imperative. It's okay. absolutely imperative. Um, whether that's a person navigating these times now with COVID or whether it's a person that's had um, a trauma, um, a significant trauma, whatever a person is facing that's a curveball that's not great, then support Mm. is the ultimate. And equally, when life is fabulous and going all the way that we want it to go, then support is equally as important because you want to be able to um, bring those people along with you and celebrate together. You know, I often think to myself, who are the people that throw the logs of passion on my bonfire of life and who are the ones stood with the hose pipe? And, um, you know, I want to, I want to surround myself with those people that have got arms full of logs and equally me Mm. for them, you know? Ah, so beautiful. Love that. What nourishes you? What nourishes me? Wow. Um, my unconscious mind nourishes me. My unconscious mind nourishes me, supports me. It yeah. finds my solutions. It wakes me up at 4 a.m. with crazy ideas that always turn out to be superb. Mm. Um, yeah, it's constantly nourishing. It's constantly seeking to find wholeness. Oh, it's beautiful. When What excites you? My twin baby boys. Oh, that's so yeah, cool. How old are they? Ex- they are 18 months old. Oh, so they're brilliant. not speaking just yet. We've got a few little yeah. words. And the other thing that excites me is just the fact that we don't know what we don't know until we know it. Mm. Like, how much do we know? Do, how is there still to learn? How exciting is that? Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to sort of end there as well is how important is it to actually allow oneself to be in that space of not knowing rather than thinking that they know? Yeah. So important. It's so important. And I think the not knowing invites the universe in. Yeah. You know, then then she turns up and she's like, okay, l- let's let's go. Just let's go with this flow and um, come with me for the journey. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I've definitely found that very profound for my own self as well as being able to come away from the fact that I saw these studies or <laughs> or science said this and um, and getting really stuck on that one thing and not actually allowing myself to open up to other possibilities or maybe deciding that because this person said this in this way, they actually don't like me or they mean this or they're trying to tell me this and making a meaning up in my mind and saying, I know this is true mm. and sticking to knowledge is um, in the past limited me so much and um yeah, I feel I really feel the power in not knowing. It's uh, incredible. Yeah, I totally so, agree. Yeah, so Amanda, thank you so much for coming on. This has been absolutely awe-inspiring and very helpful for myself as well. I found myself learning a lot uh, just being on here, so I'm sure that those listening have learned a lot too. Now, where can they find you, Amanda? Um, it's really simple. If people just pop in yourlifelivit.com. Uh, we will pop up and um, there, there's a website there explaining uh, there's lots of really cool things on there, videos, frequently asked questions around um, neuro-linguistic programming and also letting people know what courses we've got running. Uh, we've got online courses that can be obviously actioned at any time and then we've got live courses that are due for this summer here down in Queenstown, seeing as though we're going to be here. Um, so yeah, just yourlifelivit.com and there's there's a, 
loads of stuff um, that people will enjoy and also perhaps just to follow me on Facebook Your Life Live It um, mm. and I do things uh, about twice a week thinking out loud I might be running around the lake and just come up with an idea and that I want to share so um, lots of really cool resources on there and we're also uh, at the moment we've got two of our online courses that we're gifting away during this time they normally retail at um, 300 95 US dollars, I think, but about 600 New Zealand dollars. And we're gifting them away um, because we want to support people during this time. And they're on our website. Um, So one is called Just Be Me, which is um, a course that we developed to allow people to do just that. And the other one is called Seize Your Life, which is taking one big dream and uh, making it become a reality. So uh, if your listeners are uh, really interested to learn more about um, neural coding and timeline therapy, uh, these courses really do what they say on the can. So, um, yeah, feel free to enjoy those free resources. Wow. Thank you for that, Amanda. And thank you for all that you're doing as well uh, for those. And you're such a giver. I know that you're very active in charity as well and uh, you'd really do your part. So thank you for all you're doing. And um, just one more as well. Um, Where can people find the book? This is it. Oh, it's just on the website. So if they Great. if they go onto the website and look under products, the books there we've got hard copies uh, back in, which is great. We did sell out, but we've got more, and and the digital copy. I would recommend the hard copy purely because the book in itself is a course. Um, I become your personal Amazing. coach, and um, there's videos and audios on the website that um, the person using the book can can utilize so that they they really get a, a great return for their um, input of time um, with the book yeah oh, fantastic this has been very beautiful so for those that feel uh, that something resonated I'd highly recommend not just going to follow Amanda uh, but please share this with your friends as well if you feel that it's going to resonate with anyone and this can really help us as well. If you do leave a rating, especially a, re- a review, it really allows us to reach those that might not have been able to come in touch with this sort of content. And it really allows us to reach those that are in need to hear these messages so that they can also start on the path of healing. So without further ado, thank you very much. And uh, thank you very much, Amanda. And take care of yourselves, guys. Much love. And stay blessed.